All right, guys, welcome back to Work Radio, episode two. We've got my guy Dom and Chad in the house with me. Uh, today, we're going to dive in a little bit as a, at a suggestion from last week. One of our members, Brian, um, when we said, hey, what else do you guys want us to talk about? Because we're going to talk about a lot of different stuff throughout this. But he, he said, hey, um, one of the suggestions he had was basically, how do you deliver value versus monetize your business slash your bottom line? Um, and so being that it was a direct suggestion, I don't have the context of exactly what he meant, but like the way I kind of viewed it as it almost, I wondered if, if people view businesses as if they almost pit those two things against each other, like you're like delivering value here and then monetizing in your bottom line on this side. Um, and they have to choose between delivering this amazing product and providing this incredible value, or you don't have to choose, um, monetizing the business and focusing on that bottom line. And the way I view it, I don't think that we have to look at those two as if they have to fight each other and pit them against each other for attention. I think we're thinking too small that way. I think the answer lies not in choosing one or the other, but both. Yeah. Um, so, so when it comes to a small business, and small is okay, um, after all, if you're a gym like us or a, a small business owner, and this is something I, I wondered myself, so I actually looked up earlier, was uh, like what actually constitutes like a small business? And um, the I learned that the vast majority of businesses, like 99% of all businesses out there are considered a small business. Like if you look at SBA stats, it, it ranges all the way from, if you make 16 million or less um, annually, you're considered a small business, all the way up to 40 million or less annually, you're still considered a small business. And um, obviously we are way under those numbers. Um, so um, we are a small business and it is, is it, it is okay to be a small business, but we can still think big even though um, even though we're small. Yeah, I think even like the size of your business is subjective, right? Like to us, West Chase is huge. We have you know two locations operating, one opening up. And I think that for others, we would be huge, right? Like so gyms that are just now starting, um, especially entrepreneurs, they think in their head, like, you know, I have to get a business plan, but we're already on that track, right? We have multiple things opening up. I think it's okay, like you said, to have a small business. And as an entrepreneur, you have to build that small dream first. Like I have to solve a problem, and then from there, I grow it into a business, and then from there, it becomes more of a need, and then I'm providing a lot more value. So I think a lot of business owners and entrepreneurs dream so big that they forget about the small dream, and then it becomes too vast, too big, and then they end up, you know, swallowing that starting business or that entrepreneurship kind of gets faded away for a lot of times. Right, because the majority fail. Yeah. After just like a year or two. Yeah, and there's no issue staying with inside your box and just exactly. keeping it growing, making making everything within your walls better. Yeah. It doesn't have to necessarily be the biggest thing or branching out. Yeah. So starting to break that down, um, let's just talk about some basic business principles, like what is business? And in my opinion, it's, it's three things. One, what is your product? Two, how many customers you have? And three, how much do those customers pay you? And if you can answer all three of those questions and they're in the positive, then you have a real business. Congratulations. Um, so speaking in terms of like, like monthly terms here, just for simplicity, <clears throat> let's take what we do, right? We own gyms. Um, so for businesses like ours, you know, our product is fitness, the coaching, the community, the accountability, selling a healthier slash better lifestyle. That that's our product. Um, how many customers is how many monthly clients do you have on our, on recurring memberships? And then three, how much do those clients pay you every month, right? And then that that constitutes an, uh, a business in terms of what we do. I kind of made it sound really simple right there. <laughs> and and in, essence, in essence, business is simple. It's just solving people's problems. 
But obviously, anybody who's ran a business or owns a small business, you know that it's anything but simple. It's constant work, and um, that's why some rise to the top and some don't make it at all. And ultimately, I think it comes down to perseverance in some form or another. Um, like Dom, your business is primarily online. Yeah. Right? Where we're primarily brick and mortar with a, a small online sector. But we still, if we can answer those three questions, it still makes a business. <clears throat> so let's compare in terms of, of value and monetizing, which like I said earlier, I, I think it should be both, but let's compare like a business to, for instance, like a mom and pop bakery. All right, so let's just say they specialize in making and selling really good sandwiches. A lot of people go there for lunch, whatever. Um, they make good sandwiches. So that's it, their product is a sandwich and the problem they solve is hunger, right? Mm -hmm. I'm hungry, I go get a sandwich, fixes that problem, I really like the sandwich. So number two, how many sandwiches do they sell a month? Which basically represents the number of customers that come in and buy said sandwich. Yeah. And then three, how much do all those sandwiches bring in in revenue per month, right? And, and that would kind of answer their questions. So when it comes to value, this particular sandwich shop makes really good sandwiches. And on average, let's just say they charge like $2 more than the subway down the street. So when by doing that, they're delivering a better value, right? Because they, they probably make a better sandwich yeah. than, than the sandwich and it's mom and pop. So it's owner operated and no one cares about your business like you do. Um, so just for the basis of the example, I'm gonna say it's better. I'm gonna say it's on average $2 more. But if customers are coming in because they love the way the sandwich tastes and they're happy to pay for it, then that that sandwich shop is doing both, yeah. right? They're delivering value in the form of a better sandwich and they are adding to that bottom line and increasing their revenue at the same time. Um, so when it comes down to to having to choose, like that sandwich shop, sandwich shop chose both, right? They're making a high quality sandwich and they're charging for what that process is worth. So if you have customers that come up and pay you for this and you have proof of concept, you have a real business. Um, and I think that should be the goal of any of our businesses. So let's take it back to the gyms now, right? I don't think gyms should have to choose. I think you should charge appropriate rates for your membership so you can do both. Um, Chad, you've been a part of a bunch of different gyms. I, I don't know if you can elaborate on that. Uh, yeah, there's been plenty of times where uh, gyms have gone way too low in pricing for membership. And whether that is out of favors, which is obviously <clears throat> the worst, and it makes it to where you're really working backwards at that point. So you're almost, you're trying to sell a service when it's almost working better for the person who should be paying you in that sense. Um, but yeah, I've seen it way too many times where gym owners have um, done too much family and friends, have tried uh, what they think is helping out and ends up hurting in the end. And then when at the end of the month, when the bills are not getting paid, then it's, the coaches are getting pulled from hours. The gym owners working harder. Uh, benefits that usually go to the gym are being less and less, like new equipment, upkeep, yeah. all because of not charging for your appropriate value. Absolutely, I think it's also dangerous, right? Like you, the word of mouth can spread around. Like, oh, if you do these favors for the gym, then it almost like depreciates the ownership role. Like, I don't respect that owner in the sense of like, oh, he's only he's doing like bartering like for your for your business, which I think. And hindsight is very dangerous game to get into. I've been in gyms like that too, where it's like, I can gym once a week and it comes my membership. It's like, that's not providing value, especially if you're slacking. Like, how do you keep that accountable? It's a really hard game to flirt with. Um, another thing is like, when you are doing that, I think that you are doing a disservice to your coaches. You're disrespecting your other members too, who feel the same way. It's like, 
words and line draw. And I think that that's a lot of gyms out there do that. And it, honestly, I think like Chadley said, it, it hurts them in the long run. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So taking it back to that sandwich shop, like let's say the sandwich is $9.50 for an awesome sandwich. Let's say you're you're in line and you order your sandwich and then the, the clerk's like, oh, it'll be $9.50. And you go, I'll give you $7.25. Like, would you do that? No, you probably wouldn't do that. You just pay for the right. sandwich. Yeah. And the sandwich shop would, would think you're crazy for asking for that. Yeah. Right? And um, yeah, I don't mean anything personal. I'm not trying to fit anybody by this. But if the first thing you do when you go to a small business is immediately ask for a discount, you're, you're setting yourself up and that business up to likely not succeed. Um, and, and it's hard for, for a small business to provide value if that's the way they operate. Because now they're, they're not actually charging what they need to per unit to actually make money to do what they need to do to pay rent, pay payroll, insurance, all this other stuff they have to do, they no longer can do it because they've undervalued their service so much. So that's where it comes back to doing both. You have to charge a fair and appropriate price for a premium product. And I think that should always be what you try to do. We should never be like, oh, we're gonna be like the discount gym yeah. or the discount small sandwich shop. So uh, uh, That's just a race to the bottom in my opinion. I have like a follow-up question. When you, you've been in this space for a long time. Where do you think that that started and, and why is that such a big thing? Because you've been to a lot of gyms and you see that, whereas like, you know, you know that members getting a discount. You know, like these five people pay something different than that. Like the last gym I was in, it was like that. It was like, you know, one guy was paying this rate and this person was paying this. And it was like, the ownership was like, let's just get him in the door. And then you have people who are paying like astronomical, who don't even use all the services. And you have those who don't pay, who don't use, it's like, you know, where's that line draw? And where do you think that kind of started? I think it probably started because a lot of people that got into this industry were in another industry first and they found like, oh, they, they joined a gym and they're like or a CrossFit gym or something. And they're like, oh, this is super cool. I love this. We should open my own gym. Maybe they're an accountant. So they're really good on the bookkeeping side, which would probably be a, a pretty a big advantage. But maybe they were, I don't know, um, a UPS driver and then they opened a CrossFit gym. So they just didn't have the experience yet. To know that and, and you know we all start out afraid with what we do like man we're afraid to pay rent afraid to do this so an extra hundred bucks here or a hundred dollars there even though your membership should be like 150 or 175 or 200 um that, that they just like well i'm gonna take what i can get right yeah. now and don't get me wrong we've all made a ton of mistakes too and i'm still working on a, a ton of stuff i still have so much room to grow in terms of being a business owner but that's what i think happened and then i think you know competition shows up and rather than embracing that like i think a lot of gyms around is only going to that, that local market will become more aware of like what's happening and, and you guys can build off that. But I think too often we see each other as blatant competitors mm -hmm. and, and then we're either threatened or intimidated by it. And uh, which I think is natural, right? You have a business, so you gotta do what you gotta do. And a lot of these people put the, you know, a certain amount of savings on the line or their, their family's depending on that. And then so they, they become a little bit too emotional and they start making emotional decisions, which usually doesn't lend itself to a good one. Yeah. We're not able to sit back and be like, okay, well, if these are my bills every month and this is how much it costs, then I need this many people to pay me X amount to make that happen. Once I get that, I'm at my break even point and then everything from there is a profit. Is a profit. Yeah. And then from there, I can go and I can do cool things, right? And I think it's a shame that too often than not, a lot of small business owners, especially gym owners, never even get to that point, yeah. right? Or, and if you're not at that point because you've devalued your service because you're not charging what it's worth, then in a sense, right, you're, you're, you're charging less than your product's worth, so you can actually do what you wanna do here and providing value. So you kind of accidentally, like we talked about earlier, created like an accidental nonprofit. Yeah. And you don't even know what you're benefiting. Exactly. Yeah. You're like a hobby business, 
And it's not like you're a legit nonprofit that raises X amount of millions of dollars per year for this cause and we do this and that. You're like, I don't make any money. I'm not for profit. Yeah. And I can't even say what my impact is other than like I have people that like it and work out here and blah, blah. You know, like it's yeah. become all this work. And in the end, like, you know, if that's your thing, like you have to turn a profit. Just like the person that goes to work and then joins your gym, they make money at their gym too. Like, you know, that's what the world revolves around. Um, so don't be an accidental nonprofit. And um, I, I've seen a lot of really pretty gyms that don't make it. Um, you know, they probably went too big too fast. They probably had a really high number or amount of capital or funding and it, got, it was really tempting. Like, let's open this, this big spot. Let's deck it out in this beautiful equipment. Let's have all this awesome stuff. And I don't think that's super smart to start like that because now you're in a position where, yeah, you are providing a ton of value. You have this amazing facility. It's super cool. It's awesome. People, wow, that, wow, <clears throat> that wow factor is incredible but you have no customers actually paying you. Yeah. So how, how much runway do you have? How long do you have before you run out of money or before you pull the plug on it? Um, so it's better to start small and provide value and then kind of like as one goes up, so does the other. And they kind of keep going like this. Don't let like, don't let chasing the bottom line, keep creeping, 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 and then never bring the value up. And, and don't keep bringing the value up without also bringing that, that revenue up to, to counter. Like it should be like a 1A and a 1B relationship. Yeah. They should be like this the whole way up and then with the goal of just increasing more and more and more until they're both at like this really awesome number. And that, that's what allows you to create impact. And um, I broke this down here before because, you know, what happens when when you're not going up, you're either going down or staying the same and neither of which are great options for a business. Um, but when it comes like the power of numbers, like let's just say I'm, I'm making an extra $25 per client per month because I'm charging what I believe my gym is worth. For most people, they can swing 25 bucks a month if they have the extra income to join a gym like ours in the first place, right? So $25 a month for most people isn't gonna be a huge impact. It's like one less Starbucks and one less Chipotle outing that, week, that month or whatever. You know, and now let's just say we have 250 average clients and I'm just doing this for, for base numbers. So $25 a client, $250 members, that's $6,250 a month or 75,000 even per year in increased revenue. <clears throat> so those are a small little jump for everybody enabled this big impact here. I now have another $75,000 a year to choose to allocate however I want to, right? Maybe I can give my coaches a raise. Maybe I can buy some new equipment. Maybe I can increase my cleaning budget so the gym gets clean more often. Now the gym's clean better. Maybe I can put a little bit more in my savings so I'm, at the end of the year when I gotta pay taxes and do all this other stuff, I'm in a better position. Maybe I can have a little bit higher owner's distribution at certain points, right? But the point is, is just that little number and it makes a lot at the end of the year in terms of what you can do with it. So you can do both. Get that 75,000, boom, I'm gonna cut in half. Half's gonna come over here to value. Half's gonna come over here to bottom line, right? And I think that's what the answer is. And every year, our goal should be going to add a little bit more and a little bit more to that. At the same time, I've seen other gyms, um, maybe they didn't, they didn't start super big, super fast. They're super old school, but they're very profitable at the same time. There's not like one way to do this that it, there's not there's not there's never one one way to do anything that there's a million opportunities out there and um chad i think you can speak to that like some old school gyms that they're still providing like a really awesome value just like in a little bit different way well they're investing in their product and their product is a clientele yeah. so opposed to investing into growth too fast which would be let's just say non non-essential equipment or just other things to their business they're still investing in their products so the more you invest in your product the more your product's going to invest in you Right. Your product's going to want to pay more. Your product's going to keep stay around. So <clears throat> those are one things that all too often gym you know, owners skip. And your product is your customers, your athletes, your your day to day people that come in. Right it's doors. a relationship business just as much as it is yeah. a business. Yeah. So as long as you're, as long as it doesn't matter, like how like clean dairy wall. Obviously, you want it to be clean, but like how like spectacular the building is, 
as long as you're investing in your community, your product will always be there and your product will continue to invest in you. For sure. I think like and to kind of piggyback, it's like experience too. Like when you come into a gym, I think that often overlooked is the experience. Like you can work out anywhere, right? You could do what we do in our gym at another gym. Like be honest, but yeah. the experience is way different, right? The coaching's different. The uh, like the atmosphere, the community, like you're saying, like that is the uh, whole sense of the product, right? And I think that a lot of gym owners and even people in general forget that step. And then the community is kind of like you know pocketed. There's clicks. There's all these different things, and then like you said, the gym kind of diminishes. And I don't think people speak to the experience enough. Because um, like even like when I was the other day, I was in a barbershop and I was like, you know, I've been in a thousand barbershops. Like, why was I so drawn to this one? Because when I walked in, the experience, the first impression was completely what sold me. I can get my hair cut anywhere, but I'm in there because the experience is good. I keep coming back because the experience is good. And gym owners forget that. And then they're like, well, I'm afraid of retention. I'm afraid of my product kind of diminishing. There's no value. Like you said, keep investing in the value in the product because the product will invest back into you. So would you pay an extra five dollars for a haircut there? Absolutely, because the experience is good. Like I know in my head, like I have to spend that five dollars somewhere else. Why not spend spend that money where I'll have a better experience? Yes. Yeah. Did you tell the shop owner that? No, I'm not gonna tell him. <laughs> <laughs> I give him five extra dollars for the tip anyway. <laughs> yeah. So guys, what I, I believe that like the overarching point is that I believe the best businesses do both. They chase value and they chase that bottom line. You know, and then, um, like I said, back to like the, that 1A and that 1B thing. Um, if you professionally and systematically attack both of them, I think that's where you find a win, right? And you're, you're doing both at the same time. If you were to kind of like, you know, as we're wrapping up, if you were to give that advice to somebody right now watching or listening, um, and they're like, hey, I want to start and I am battling, where do I start? Where do I put more of my water into that bucket? Whether it's, you know, value versus bottom line, which one would you start with first? Temporarily first, increase your value. Okay. Increase your value first so people can see what you do, they see your offering, and then increase, and, and then focus on the other side. Or l let's say you're starting a gym from scratch, and you're like, hey, um, only for like, like, this isn't like a lifetime thing. Hey, for the first month, I'm gonna let you guys come work out here for like a fraction of the cost, because I wanna show you what I can do and what I can provide for you. And at that point, you're like, hey, do you guys love this gym? If you're doing a good job, they're like, yeah, this is the best gym ever. Like, okay, well, I'm now at a point where rent's due and bills are paying, I'm hiring coaches, and I'm gonna start charging for this, yeah. right? And um, if they love what you're doing and you provided awesome value, they're gonna be happy to pay you for it. Exactly. What are they gonna do? Leave and go somewhere else and not be happy? Yeah. And they're like, Dobson, he's probably gonna keep going back to that barbershop. Absolutely, yeah. You know? And I think to uh, give a little bit of a different answer to what Dom said, it's make your decision. Um, is your decision off desperation or motivation? Mm, like so that. like, is, you know, if you are making certain decisions off desperation, how long term is that gonna be? Which is emotional and which is bad. Exactly, yeah, and then make your decision off of motivation. You know, I'm gonna charge this extra for the service because I want this to continue. I want to sure. really do a good product. So that's maybe too, like when you, you know, step back as you're making decisions as a gym owner, head coach, whatever it is, it's like, am I doing this because I'm scared? Or am I doing this because I wanna get better? Sure, like that. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. That was episode two of Work Radio. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, if you did, comment below what you would like to see us talk about next week. We're going to um, uh, fire one of these out every Friday, so get used to it. Um, Chad, Aaron, Dom, have a good weekend, guys. See you later.